You're listening to Hidden History, and I'm your host, Ellis Tucci. Hidden History is an audio project of Bulletin Technologies, LLC. To find out how you can fly for a fraction of the cost of commercial, visit bulletinflights.com. I'm very pleased to announce that Hidden History has a new home. To catch up on all our past episodes and hear new ones every Wednesday, head on over to hiddenhistory.show and learn something new today. Hidden History can now be found on your iPhone's built-in podcast app. Subscribe to be updated on our weekly releases and download past episodes for offline listening. And now, the show. In 1956, a British computational and statistical theorist named Stafford Beer, fresh out of the army, got a job at the English industrial conglomerate United Steel. Eventually, he convinced the company's leadership to found a new division with him at the head. It was based in an old Sheffield manor called Cyborg House. It was called the Department of Operations Research and Cybernetics, and with its installation of a dedicated Ferranti Pegasus computer, it propelled United Steel to the forefront of a field that Stafford Beer himself created, Management Cybernetics. Though impossible to know at the time, Beer's creation and advancement of management cybernetics would inspire hope in millions, contribute to the catastrophic fall of a democracy, and set the stage for the modern world. This is Hidden History. You're listening to Episode 13, Project Cybersign. Dateline 1973, Chile. The world's only freely elected Marxist president is overthrown by military coup. In 1970, Chilean folk singer Victor Jara was singing about revolution, a peaceful revolution, the first of its kind. Without guns, without a guerrilla army, the Chilean left had seized power. In Chile, the oldest democracy in Latin America, they had done it democratically. In September 1970, Salvador Allende became the first Marxist leader to come to power through free elections. In Cuba, Fidel Castro. In Cuba, Fidel Castro. Tuvo que luchar con las armas en la mano. Had to fight arms in hand. Porque no había otra salida. Because there was no other way to do it. In Chile, hemos usado el camino legal. And in Chile, we have uh, followed the legal channels. That's the difference. That was the audio from an ABC News documentary on the fall of South America's, and indeed, the world's first democratically elected Marxist head of state, Salvador Allende, in a September 11th, 1973 military coup d'etat. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. After Beer left United Steel in 1961, 
he teamed up with an operations researcher named Roger Edison to form a partnership called SIGMA, a backronym of science in general management. Five years later, he would leave Sigma to work for one of its clients, the International Publishing Corporation, now known as Time Incorporated UK. After four years at IPC, he left to work as an independent consultant, which was when he would do his most notable work. In 1971, he was approached by a man named Charles Fernando Flores Labra, who at the time was a cabinet member in the brand new government of Salvador Allende and also served in the Chilean Production Development Corporation known as Corfo, which was established during the era of the Chilean Republic to create industries to produce things like oil, power, steel, and sugar. After the fall of the Allende government, Flores would be imprisoned for three years in the 1970s, subject to continual intense psychological torture, eventually being exiled from the country of his birth. He returned to Chilean politics in 2001. But that was yet to come. In mid-1971, Fernando Flores approached Stafford Beer to solicit his help in applying his cybernetic theories to the nationalized sectors of the Chilean economy. Like the famous Chicago boys that would influence the Chilean economy during the regime of Augusto Pinochet, Stafford Beer saw this as an opportunity to implement his theories simultaneously across an entire nation. Beer's hopes for Chile took the form of a highly advanced cybernetic system called Project CyberSign. Now, I've said that word, cybernetic, a lot so far in this episode, so it would probably be helpful to define just what exactly cybernetics are. Well, basically, it's just the structural exploration of human-machine interaction, or rather, the control of a system using technology. Project CyberSign, which was a portmanteau of cybernetics and synergy, managed to do that by taking about 500 telex machines, which are like automatic typewriters, ordered by the preceding Montalva administration and installing them in factories and production centers across the country. Stafford Beer thought that business could be seen as a dynamic intelligent system, and through statistical analysis, business could be made vastly more efficient and productive. And with CyberSign, he set out to prove it. The project itself was comprised of several physical and technological elements. The telex machines themselves were called CyberNet. Their live data, which included things like employee absentee rates, production levels, and raw material supply, was then fed into a statistical software known as CyberStride, which was then fed into yet another program, an economic simulator known as CHECO, that's C-H-E-C-O, which stood for Chilean Economic Simulator. CyberNet operated within a multi-layered system of algodonic feedback, known as a variable system model, which is essentially a self-contained autonomous problem-solving procedure. These layers, known as control levels, signified control on the firm, branch, sector, and total levels of industry. If a problem with production could not be solved on one level, it would be redirected to the next higher up and so on, and so on, until it reached a satisfactory state. 
Cyberstride was assembled by a team of British programmers and Chilean engineers, and it operated on a complex system of what are called Bayesian controllers, or state space estimators, which can model physical systems by using a series of inputs, outputs, variables, and differential equations. All of this aggregated and filtered data was put on display in what my inner Bond villain thinks may be the coolest aspect of this story. The Ops Room. Imagine a small hexagonal room, the walls covered with data readouts and interfaces. In the middle, there are seven white fiberglass tulip chairs arranged in a circle. On the right arm of each chair is a panel of different shaped buttons. None of them have labels. It was from this strange room in an office building in downtown Santiago that the government could control the entire economy of Chile. But the ops room, designed by notable German interface designer Guy Bonsiep, lacked a large amount of practical functionality. The flashy displays and monitors that dotted the walls were largely for show, though the buttons on the arms of the chair controlled the displays Everything in those displays had to be made manually and physically inserted into the mechanisms behind the walls. Each time new data was collected, the ops room slides had to be remade and replaced. Chilean bureaucrats were effectively controlling the economy of an entire country from a very fancy slide projector. Less than two years after Fernando Flores initially contacted Stafford Beer, Project CyberSign had entered an advanced prototype stage, but it was first put to the test a little over a year after it was first conceived, during October of 1972. 156 trucking companies, accounting for a total of 40,000 truckers and 56,000 trucks, participated in a CIA-backed strike. They blocked truck access to Santiago, and according to Gustavo Silva, who at the time was Corfo's Secretary of Energy, CyberSign's technology allowed the government to guarantee food shipments to the capital using only 200 strike-breaking truckers. In researching for this episode, this was the only real concrete success I was able to find. But when Project CyberSign was put to the test, it passed. But as things were looking better and better for Stafford Beer's experiment in cybernetic management, they were looking worse and worse for the government of Salvador Allende. The government's expansionist monetary policy that had initially spurred economic growth had backfired. Unemployment was rising fast, and inflation would peak at 140% per year. When it was really needed, Project CyberSign failed. On September 11, 1973, as the military bombarded the presidential palace in a massive coup, President Allende would give his final public radio address, ending with the words, Long live Chile. Long live the people. Long live the workers. He then took his own life. After the rise of brutal dictator Augusto Pinochet, the military junta that now ruled the country began to systematically dismantle the institutions put in place by the Allende government. And when they found a small, hexagonal room, walls covered with displays, data readouts, and interfaces, 
with a circle of seven white fiberglass tulip chairs in the center, they destroyed it and everything inside it. Project Cybersign, the sum of the idyllic aspirations of Salvador Allende, died along with him. Pinochet lost power in 1990 after 17 years of oppressive authoritarian rule. In 2000, the United States government confessed its role in the overthrow of Allende. And Stafford Beer? He would continue to passionately advocate for cybernetic systems, doing work for the governments of Mexico, Uruguay, and Venezuela until his death in August 2002. This episode of Hidden History was written by myself and our newest team member, Jeff Cole. Listen to Hidden History online at hiddenhistory.show or on air on 88.3 FM WDCV every Wednesday at 4. This is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History, signing off.